Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now, before I dive into my conversation that I had with Susie, I want to share about something that I have for you. I am giving away a copy of Susie's devotional, Prevail, 365 Days of Enduring Strength from God's Word. Now, this devotional is so good. I cannot wait to give it away to one lucky listener. Now, today is Wednesday, the day the podcast drops, and this contest is going to be open until Friday. And all you need to do is take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media, share it on Instagram and tag me so that I can actually see that you've entered. And then I will be sending one lucky winner a copy of Susie's devotional. It's such a great resource and um, you will want to get a copy for yourself, I'm sure, after you listen to the conversation that I had with her. So be sure to enter the contest and I'm excited to give away this great resource just in time for the new year. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm so excited to be sitting here with Susie Larson. And if you are not familiar with Susie, you are really in for a treat here. Susie is an author, a speaker. She hosts a daily radio show and a podcast. And really, she is um, just a deep well of knowledge. I um, recently have been reading in Acts, and I believe it's Acts 4.13, where it talks about uh, Peter and John and that they were amazed at these men, they were ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. And you know, Susie is one of those people who I think you listen to what she's saying and you're like, oh, okay, she's been with Jesus. So I'm excited to have her on the show. I'm going to have her share a little bit more about herself and we're going to dive right in. Susie, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Well, first of all, you're an instant sister, sister. So it's so good to meet you. You and I have been chatting before off the air and it's been, I think we could have talked all day. So thanks for having me, Jacqueline. I appreciate it so much. And we love our Canadian brothers and sisters. We've traveled there plenty for women's events and uh, so appreciate that. But for those who don't know me, um, I will tell you just in a short synopsis. So you have kind of context for what gets me out of bed every day, what makes my heart beat. Um, I grew up in a large family. Uh, I was five of seven kids. I was a real people pleaser, uh, you know, just kind of a sweet little girl that wanted to always want to do the right thing. I was part of a denomination where I knew God was real, but I didn't really know Jesus was accessible. But I did, as a young girl, have a sense of God's presence. I mean, I, re I remember that. Just remember sensing God is real. And uh, when I was about nine years old, I suffered a trauma at the hands of some teenage boys, a sexual trauma where they pinned me down and I won't get into more of that. But I, I got up from that incident uh, in a canyon of fear and insecurity, self-loathing and those kinds of things opened up in my soul. And I was so confused about what happened that I didn't tell anybody what had happened, but I started to have you know nightmares at night, be afraid to fall asleep and that kind of a thing. And then when I was about 10 years old, I was walking home from school and I, I was just about four feet tall. It's just a little thing. And uh, a different group of boys who were hanging out in the dugout. And I'm pretty sure they were high on something because uh, 
all I heard was get her and they ran me down, knocked me to the ground and they beat me real bad. And they laughed wildly as they did. So I remember that crazed look in their eyes. And I mean, that's why as an adult, I'm looking back going, they had to have been high because they were laughing and they looked kind of crazed and they're pummeling a little girl. So they were kicking me, pulling fistfuls of hair out, punching me in the face. And I just curled up in a ball, screamed and cried. And uh, when they were done with me and they walked away laughing, I had a fat lip and scratched up face and sore stomach and snarled hair. And I got up from that place and I literally heard in my ear and it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. I heard, I can get to you anytime, anywhere and God will never stop me. And that's when fear got into my heart like I cannot even describe to you. And when I speak at women's events, I often stop here and say, you know, the devil sees your potential long before you ever do. So all you need to do is look at your first childhood trauma or the first time as a child you recognized you weren't enough or you weren't okay. And you just turn that thing around because the devil's threat to you is very connected to your threat to him. He sees your potential before you ever do. And he tries to take you out before you even get started. And so, you know, that began, you know, just a journey for me of feeling constantly bracing for impact, constantly afraid, afraid of my own shadow. And once I got into middle school, um, junior high school, I, you know, I, I was a decent athlete, I was a gymnast and I could sing okay. So I joined a specialty choir, but I basically used the time treasures and talents that God gave me to dig myself out of a hole, to prove something that Jesus had already proven, but I just didn't know it. And I really do think Jacqueline that uh, many Christians I believe live and die knowing they're saved, but they don't know they're loved. And when you don't know you're loved, you do misuse your time, treasure and talents to prove something that Jesus has said, I already proved that. You don't need to do, you got nothing to prove, right? You've got all of eternity to live for. And so for me, I came to Christ in about eighth grade and uh, uh, just because of the particular denomination I was a part of, it wasn't really looked kindly upon to read the Bible on your own and that kind of a thing. So I uh, went to a Bible study in the next community and lied about it. <laughs> I would tell my mom I'm going to the library and I did not see the irony, I'll tell you for a while, but eventually my, my conscience bugged me a little bit and I had to come clean with what I'd been doing. Uh, but in due time, you know, one by one by one, different family members came to Christ. So praise God for that. Uh, but you jump ahead as a young mom, a young wife, got married. Um, we had to have our kids right away because I had something called endometriosis. And they said, you'll need a hysterectomy probably in your 20s. So you, if you want babies, you got to have them now. And uh, so during my third pregnancy, I'd spent my middle pregnancy on bed rest for three months. My third pregnancy, I was in bed for six months. So I had a one and a three-year-old and had to go to bed for six months and we were dirt poor, we had no money. So we, if you can imagine as someone, cause I, I really transferred all my performance from middle, junior high school and high school into when I became a Christian, I just became a performing Christian. I just took all that striving and was on five committees and was just doing everything like every super Christian tries to do. So you can imagine how traumatic it was to have the debt cleared where I, there was nothing I could do to earn, to perform, to do anything. I was put to bed with a one and a three-year-old who were crying every day because they didn't want to leave and they were going to different houses, you know? And, and on top of that, I was using up all my friend favors and they were getting tired of me and I was getting tired of me. So it confronted the deepest insecurities in me. I can't even describe to you how, and then of course, whenever you're in that refining season where God is after something, the devil's right there too, to bring accusation. And um, so it was, it was a dry and weary land where there was no water for me, it was. 
and I'd been in bed for three months and I literally was prior to the, I mean, right at the beginning in the outset, I'd say, you know, six more months till mommy can make your sandwiches and five more months till mommy can take you to the park. And uh, so here I've been in bed for three months and I hadn't contracted for a couple of days. And the doctors had said, you know, cause I was getting kind of depressed and just, I didn't, I just hadn't felt the warmth of the sun or just been out with friends. And so he said, let's just get you up and let's just try this out and see how you do. So I met a couple of my old college roommates uh, for a walk in the park, very easy walk in the park, met them up for lunch. It was a beautiful fall day in the upper Midwest in the US. And uh, by nighttime I was contracting, so I went back to bed. And I'm laying on my left side, you know, and it was probably two weeks out from that outing. My face started to go numb and then my memory started to do odd things. And then my, I had pins and needles shooting down my arm and weird neurological fireworks were going off. And I still had three months to go. And I couldn't believe that this was happening. And on top of that, I had a friend who I like to say had the gift of discouragement. <laughs> I don't know if you have any of those, but she would say such hurtful things at the wrong time. And she came to visit me and I had a lot of fear anyway. I mean, I had so much, we were going broke. We didn't know if because of me, we were gonna lose our home because of the medical debt that I was racking up because of this in and out of the hospital to stop labor. And then I thought, could I, I felt like I barely knew God still at this point, and I wasn't grounded enough in him to know that this was a training time. This was preparation time. I just thought he lost my address, you know, and I, I just didn't know what was going on. So when she came one day, and I'm describing these scary neurological symptoms, and we both knew a woman from our church that was our age, was an athlete as well, and I was a fitness instructor before I ended up going into bed rest. She ended up with MS and would just had tremors and, and it accelerated very fast. It was traumatic to watch how it just devoured her body. We both had seen that. And here I am on my left side trying to stop labor. And this woman says, yeah, I guess it's personalities like you that most often get MS. And I never knew that personalities got diseases really, but when she left, it, I felt like the enemy had me by the face going, where's your God now? And I didn't have an answer. And um, so long story short, three months of up and down, weird neurological symptoms, scary symptoms. I delivered my son and over the next course of the year, my health was up and down. And I found out that one day up, I'd been bit by the deer tick and contracted Lyme disease and uh, heard it again in my ear. I can get to you anytime, anywhere. God will never stop me. And I, that began, you know, years of battling and um, I still struggle today to some degree. I've, I've come a long way. It was horrible in those early years. Um, but that's, I say all that to say, I remember a point where we really thought we were going to lose our home. And, you know, I was young and it, the Lyme disease had wiped out my short-term memory. I had so much, uh, it just had ravaged my health. So I went from having all this passion and dreams about when I came in as a young Christian wife going, we're going to change the world, you know, for Jesus to, man, I pray I live long enough to see my boys grow up. So everything changed for me in those moments. And a, a couple things happened that just were game changers. In the middle of that, a woman from our church who was just a very respected intercessor called and she said, Susie, I've heard of everything that's going on in your, in your family and in your life. And she said, and I've heard the chatter about it because some were gossiping about going, you know, maybe she's doing this to get attention because Lyme disease back then was 30 years ago. They didn't know. And it was such a weird symptomatic disease. She, you know, so some were gossiping and others felt bad for me. And so she said, I've heard the chatter and I wanted to know for myself, God, what are you doing in this woman's life? And she said, now you listen to me. She said, I went before the throne room of Almighty God 
And he showed me a platform that he's building with your pain that you're going to speak from someday. So you lean in and you learn everything you can because you're going to have a story to tell. And I knew in my knower at that moment that it was true. Even though my symptoms got worse before they got better, our finances were more dismal before they started to recover. But God dropped this truth bomb and I knew it. And around that same time, when I was having kind of a panicky day, because we had so much medical debt. And I know in Canada, when I've shared the story in Canada, they don't know what I'm talking about, but you know, we had more medical debt than we had income. And so we were on the verge of losing everything. And I was, of course, that was so scary with three little boys and a disease that I still hadn't had my arms around. And remember a day God just breaking through and saying, Susie, fear and faith are opposing forces. You have to turn your back on one to behold the other. So I want to know, did you, are you a Christian just because you've secured your eternity or are you a Christian because you actually believe this stuff? I mean, when are you going to shift your weight off of your fears and onto the promises of God? When are you going to shift your weight onto the promises to see if that anchor holds? And it was like, it was time for me to grow up in the faith, but I, I really didn't have a lot of example, I, you know, context. I was just such a new believer, but that's what made me a warrior. And that's when so you'll see in all my books and speaking in my radio show, there is a little bit of a, of a undercurrent of contending for the promise because I've had to do that, but I have seen the fruit of it and I've seen God be faithful in it. And so that's kind of my story and that's where I'm coming from. But what gets me out of bed, Jacqueline, every day is I've studied the idea that there's a day of account for both believers and unbelievers. And it's going to look different for believers and unbelievers, but there is a day of account where we give testimony to God. What did we do with our time, treasure, and talents? And so what are one of the things that gets me out of bed every day is to mobilize people going, do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Do you know what you do and why you do it? Because anything done, I mean, I often say insecurity is just another form of selfishness. And uh, that stuff, anything you do to try to prove that you're something will burn up. But when you live out of the love of God and out of the security of God, anything that's prompted by faith, hope, and love, that's what will survive the flames. And we want an offering to give back to God. And I want people ready for that day. If they don't know Jesus, I want them to know Jesus. If they know Jesus, I want them to live as people who are spoken for. So there you go. Wow. Well, I feel like we could just stop the show right there and we could just go back and listen to that again and again. Susie, there's so much in your story. And I, um, you know, I really do believe that the things that we walk through that we overcome, we really have so much authority to speak into. And so you have been through so much. I know everybody listening will have connected in some way their place of pain, their place of hurt. And for some people who are listening right now, um, they actually might, they're either walking through that hard place right now, or they walked through it before, but they're still kind of stuck there. And so what would you say for the woman who's listening who's like, I, I really relate to what you're saying about the pain part, but I, don't, I haven't gotten through to that other side. So what would you say to that woman to encourage her who either feels like, I had a trauma when I was a kid and I stuffed that thing way down and I never, it was too scary to think about dealing with it. Or I'm walking through this storm right now and I don't know how to make sense of it. What would you say to that woman? Mm. I, first of all, I wish uh, we were not in COVID season so I could wrap my arms around you and, um, and just hold you and hug you and pray for you because uh, there's something very powerful about that. But, you know, I remember there was a moment for me 
and I, I'm thinking, praying this would help you uh, listening today, if that's you. I remember as a young mom, again, just battling through, just fighting through, because God did give me a vision for what, what was ahead. So it gave me something to fight for. I'm praying that God gives you a vision, first of all, for the, the horizon that he has for you. And, you know, we hear often that passage from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. What we often forget is that promise was given by God to a people in captivity. And I say fear or faith plants plans for the future in the face of our fears. So I first foremost, I dare you to say, God, do the impossible in and through me and give me a vision for what I'm fighting for. Because the Bible says without a vision, people cast off all restraint. If you don't have a vision for where you're going, you won't see the reason to discipline your thoughts and your focus and contend for the promises of God. So get a vision. But I also say that perfect love casts out fear. And I remember as a young mom, you know, just contending and fighting and feeling like I was army crawling through the valley, fighting for inches when it seemed like people were just running and gaining miles, you know? And I'm like, why am I such a have not? I don't get it, you know? And I remember one day the Lord whispered in my heart and it was a game changing moment for me as well. And he said, Susie, I, I get that you love me, but you don't seem to get that I love you. So until I tell you different, every time you wanna say, I love you, Lord, I want you to turn it around and say, you love me, Lord, say it now. And I said, you love me, Lord. And it felt like a foreign language in my mouth. I realized how much weight I was putting on my performance on what I could do for him and how little weight I was putting on what he'd already done for me. And uh, again, oftentimes when I'm speaking, I ask women to put their hand over their heart to say, you love me, Lord, I'm your treasure. And about half of the women almost always stiffen up, like it's either beneath them or it's too uncomfortable. And this is not a power of positive thought kind of thing. This is biblical because it's not that we loved God, it's that he loved us. It's not how high we can jump, it's that he stoops down to make us great. And in Ephesians, it says to know this love is to be filled with the fullness of God. So to know this love is what heals those traumas like nothing else could. And I went through counseling and I, I'm a big proponent of counseling to sort through some of that trauma, but nothing healed my soul like encountering and believing and grasping and walking in the assurance and the love of God. He loved us first and he keeps loving us first. And if we can know this love, it will heal something in our soul. So I would say, get a vision for what your future is. What is the call of God? How is the enemy's threat to you connected to your threat to him? Because your influence, your influence very much matters. And then Lord, give me a fresh revelation of your love. So I'm not afraid to face the stuff that you are bringing to the surface. And a side note, my book, Fully Alive, is all about internal healing, all about soul restoration, all about visiting those trauma places so that we can know a wholeness and a, and a fullness that God has for us. In case you need a resource, that would be helpful. Yeah, I would highly recommend that. I think that's excellent. And um, I, I love what you're saying about how um, it's in some ways it seems so simple, this idea of grasping God's love for us. Um, but it really is in those moments where we are, we're hearing his voice, that that is really where that place of deep healing comes. And so you've mentioned already in here, this idea of hearing God speak to you. Um, but you've also mentioned this idea of those words that the enemy was whispering to you. And so how would you encourage people to really begin to kind of distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy in their lives? 
Hmm, that's a great question. You know, Jesus says, my sheep know me, they hear me, they know what I sound like, they listen to my voice, you know, and I think we can't know his voice without knowing his word. So I say, hang around in the gospels, especially but read the scripture, because, you know, Jesus is a representation of who God is. So as you read any place in scripture, you start to know God's heart. But I think it's awesome to walk with Jesus through the gospels and pay attention to who he was hardest on, who he was gentle with, and you get to know him you know again to know him and to know this love is to be filled with the fullness and but just a, a great a distinguishing factor is the enemy beats us down the enemy berates us god never does that he calls us up so even when he brings correction it's with an invitation he calls us up always it's like when my boys were young uh, and they messed up i'd get on their level and grab their shoulders and i'd say you are too important to be making choices like this. And even under discipline, they would rise up a little bit more, stand up a little straighter. And that's the thing is the Lord's voice for you, over you, he sings over you, he loves you. He never rolls his eyes or breathes a heavy sigh or wonders why you can't get it together. He never goes, you know, like looks at you like we sometimes look at ourselves. And I think sometimes we mistake his voice for our own inner critic. So you got the enemy who's accusing you day and night, but sometimes you're the one accusing you day and night. And I think it's so important to get acquainted with the father's heart where it carries more weight in your life than your own skewed perspective of yourself. And I promise you, as you trust his love and you dare to face some of those traumatic places, it's like there's more real estate in your soul for him. You will start to walk into freedom that you didn't know was possible. You'll be able to point to some scars in your life and say, you know, that did happen, but there's no more infection. It doesn't keep traumatizing me anymore. And, and I, I believe with everything in me that that shalom of God, the wholeness of God involves all of that. And I think you have to believe God wants me well. God wants me whole. God wants to restore me. And it's interesting, Jacqueline, I don't know if you hear this with your podcast, but we have a text line that's live during the live show and people text in. And it is interesting how many say, if it's God's will to restore my soul, and I can promise you it's his will to restore your soul. He restores our soul. You follow Jesus around and look how he addressed the human condition. You know, I don't understand the process of healing, but I'm going to till my last breath, ask for healing, believe for it. You know, I, I've not experienced an in instantaneous miracle, but my son has. He had a serious back injury and experienced a medical miracle. I, I will stand here and tell you, I believe God still does that today. But I think for many of us, a lot of our stories tangled up in our trauma. So if he were to zap us and heal us, we would still have the infrastructure for brokenness. And I just think some of us need the healing process. I know I do. Yeah, I love that. I love that you shared both that um, God is willing and able to heal us in a moment. Um, and sometimes it is a process. And sometimes it's it's a little bit of both in our lives. I know I've experienced some of that myself with um what felt like really instant healing in a postpartum depression moment, but then also walking through, and I talk about that lots on the show, walking through that that soul care, that soul healing, and and really coming back to him every day, um, especially when things pop up. One of the things I often say is that, you know, sometimes when we experience um, an emotion that feels big, so um, anger or sadness or something like that, that, that's really an indicator of something that's going on in our heart deep down that um, it's actually a gift to say, hey, what's going on? And so instead of trying to shove it down or ignore it, but paying attention and then sitting with God and saying, okay, this thing came to the surface. What do you want to show me in there? What needs healing? 
And like you said before, there are, with God, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to our full healing. And from that place of being fully healed, that there's so much, I love that that's part of what gets you up in the day, that he he wants to have people on mission, people who are healed and whole. And so even as you are still walking through some medical issues in your life, you still are walking from a place of being healed and whole in your soul. Um, well, I love that. Um, I love that you have this devotional called prevail. And can you just explain to anybody who doesn't understand what the word prevail means or what this devotion is all about? Can you share a little bit of that with us? Absolutely. Well, what I love about God is, you know, he sees the end from the beginning. He sees the future in ways we don't. And we titled this book, you know, over a year ago, long before we ever knew what 2020 would hold, especially for us in our nation. Uh, Prevail means two things, to prove more powerful than your opponent and to be the last one standing. And uh, that is a promise from God when we contend for the faith. So I love that. So what I did um, was search Genesis through Revelation. This uh, was quite a task for me. I'll tell you, it was monumental. There were a couple times in Leviticus and Lamentations, I went upstairs like, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> My hubby gave me the holy shove. You can do it. But anyway, I searched from Genesis to Revelation and looked for evidences and opportunities for flourishing and standing strong. So evidences, you know, stories where they did it right, where we can learn from them. Opportunities is where they did it wrong and we can learn from them. So each Devo is short. It kind of packs a punch. There's a scripture. There's this kind of meaty devotional, extended reading if you want, an action step, and then a short prayer. Um, I love how it turned out. And you can either do the chronological order if you're reading through the Bible, or you can do it by topic as well. Well, I love, I'm just going to unpack this for a second. Um, Obviously, people can't see what we're talking about, but you can look up um, Prevail on Amazon and it is a beautiful cover. It's beautiful on the inside. But what I really love is that um, first off, when she says chronological, the devotions are listed from Genesis to Revelation, which I think is so cool being able to kind of work through as you in your own reading, possibly. I know, especially beginning of the new year, people like to sometimes start at the beginning of the Bible. And so um, you could do that along with Susie. There is a short devotional, but there also is an invitation to read more. And I really like that. So it's not just saying, hey, we're going to just chew on this one verse, but you actually can dive into a passage of scripture and read even more. It has a um, this little tip. She calls it a flourish. Um, so something you can really focus on for that day and then also a prayer. And Susie, I love it so much. I'm hoping you could actually read through one of them for us. Oh, wow. I'd love to do that. I will tell you one of my, uh, well, there's two of them. Then There's a few, actually. I've got to decide which one. I think I'll do this one based on our conversation. And this is day 75. And it's titled, Answer Me So That They Will Know. And this is where Elijah has kind of the, the face-off at Mount Carmel. And you've got these uh, other uh, people who are calling on their small G God for intervention. And let me just read the passage. First Kings 18.37. O Lord, answer me, answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you've brought them back to yourself. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry about that. Elijah asked God to show himself strong on Elijah's behalf, both to show that he was the one true God and to draw people back to himself. Oftentimes when we're in a predicament, we minimize it. 
we assume that since we're not facing down giants or evil kings, God's intervention on our behalf won't be as significant. But did you know that others are watching your life from a distance? They know that you profess Christ, and they want to know how you'll handle things when life pushes up against you. What if you stood back, considered your observers, and dared to pray Elijah's prayer? Father, this isn't just for me. It's for those who are watching me. I am your servant. Intervene in my life so that others may see that you are the one true God. Show yourself strong on my behalf because I belong to you. Draw others to you because of your very real power in my life. Well, if you're in step with the Lord and obeying his word, you are on solid biblical ground to pray such a prayer. So the learn section is to read 1 Kings 18, 1 through 40. The flourish section, as you said, Jacqueline, is kind of an action step. So here it is. Pray audaciously today and tomorrow and the next day. The God of heaven knows your name and he loves you profoundly so. And the prayer God of heaven, show me how to pray big story prayers. I want my whole life to bear witness to your redeeming power. Stir up a fresh passion in my soul. Amen. Amen. Well, I would actually just like to call you up every morning and have you read that to me. <laughs> sure. Because uh, I love the way you read it. Um, and I think for people who are looking, I know sometimes one of the challenges um, with getting into the word every day is just not knowing where to start or what to read. And so I would definitely encourage people if they are looking for something, especially in the new year, it's 365 days of enduring strength from God's word. And you cannot help but be changed when you get in God's word. So yes, Susie is a great writer. And yes, um, this is a beautiful book, but it is the practice of you getting it. It's like going to the gym. I've been going to the gym recently and um, I said to my husband, you know, not a lot has necessarily changed in terms of the scale or the clothing size or any of that stuff. But I said, I feel stronger. And you know, if I go to the gym every day, which I'm not planning on doing, but if I go to the gym every day, um, I, I, it would notice, you would notice the change. And so I feel like 365 days. We need to be in the word every day. And you may not notice a change on day one or day two. You might be like, okay, I'm getting up and I'm doing this thing. Um, there will be a change in your life. And what I love is that this is what we need right now in terms of building strength. Um, this is a moment where 2020 has, you know, it has been shaky. And I think for some of us, we're looking to 2021 as if maybe something is magically going to change as the, the date rolls over. Um, but we don't know what is coming. We don't actually know what is ahead ever. And so we need to be deeply rooted and grounded in God's word if we want to be strong. And so you don't have to wait till January 1st. Um, you can open up your Bible today. But I I would highly recommend this as such a great resource to uh, to have somewhere to start and um, if you can somehow convince Susie to be reading these out loud daily, I would be <laughs> happy to happy to buy that, Devo. Um, well, Susie, I want to know, um, what else can you encourage us in as we are wrapping up 2020? And for so many, um, we are in a place of fear. And I've heard you share before this idea of, you know, we have kind of two operating systems. We can operate from a place of love or a place of fear. And so um, just speak to those of us listening who feel like, hey, I just feel really bound by fear and I don't know how to get out. Oh, I appreciate that so much. And 
just for full honest confession, I, I still have my days and my battles around fear. I'm not a fearless person. And I marvel at people who seem to be wired that way. I've come so far, but I'm not where I want to be just yet. But when I learned, so I had a, a pretty significant health relapse five years ago that I'm still working my way out of. And that's why I'm not feeling so well today, but um, I have my ups and downs more so since that relapse. But when the relapse happened, at first they thought it was Lyme because of the neurological symptoms. And then they went to a whole new level. And so it really opened up the can of worms to other really scary neurological diseases. What it ended up being uh, was mold that attacked my brain and uh, damaged my brain and affected my cognitive function. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So in the middle of that, you can only imagine how fear went to a whole new level. And I have three different doctors, all believers, amazing. And all of them had said to me at different points, Susie, we're doing whatever we can do to bring the inflammation down in your body but we can't do the fear battle for you. And you don't maybe know this, but when you uh, let fear in your, in your life, it opens the door to a cascade of inflammation in your body. And I had no idea about that. I'm, I'm health-minded enough. And again, I worked in the fitness industry for almost 15 years, enough to know that uh, sickness and disease grows in inflammation. So when you have inflammation, it's fertile soil for sickness and disease. So here I am fighting, 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 trying to get through this battle that was so, so horrendous. And to think that the fear that the enemy was leveling at me that I was really entertaining too because I was so terrified about what was happening was actually compounding my issue. Well, then I just thought I need to learn more about this. So I started inviting brain scientists on my show because I'm like, I hope this is interesting to all of you, but I got some questions here. And when I learned that this is actually very true that fear creates a physiological inflammatory response in our bodies, that, you know, I know scripture says 365 times, don't fear. But when you're someone who battles, battles with fear, it sounds like an ought to and a should do. <laughs> and it's just easier said than done. But when I start to learn, this is just me, but when I learned the science of it to go, this is really hurting me. Um, and then I learned how the neural pathways are formed in your brain that you travel on. Often I decided to, for me, practice a zero tolerance policy on fear. I put a road close sign on that neural pathway. I thought, no matter how scared I get, I have to put a road close sign here because the Bible does say, do not fear. And one of the reasons the Bible, that God doesn't want us to fear is because what it does to our soul and to ourselves. So when I started to contend from that place going, even if the promises don't feel true, they are true. So I'm going to stand on them as if they are true. And I start to just shut down fear at every turn. Did you know it takes 40 days to wire a new neural pathway? So let's say you're like me and you travel that pathway of fear pretty easily. If you can picture in your mind, it starts out as a single laid road. And if you keep going because your body is, wants to accommodate your most consistent choices and thoughts, it starts to pave a pathway where you've got like a four lane superhighway. So before you were just triggered by a few things, now you're triggered by a hundred things because you keep going down that path and your brain helps you do that. So I knew that, and I also knew it was 40 days. If you don't take a neural pathway, if you don't take a thought process, you starve it for 40 days, your brain actually deletes it. So maybe your pathway is self-rejection, self-contempt. You berate yourself for your body, uh, you know, what you see when you look in the mirror. If you were to fast from a self-defeating thought for 40 days and take a different path, so it's not enough to not do the wrong thought, right? It's, you gotta also add a redemptive thought 
your brain literally will shrivel and delete that neural pathway and your new default response will be the one you've been practicing. And what happened for me, Jacqueline, which was just miraculous was this was the fight of my life to fight against fear. I'm like, okay, I'll trust my doctors to help me with all my other issues. This is my, this is D-Day for me. And I remember the Lord saying, I'm not gonna let you lose, but I have to let you fight because this is something that I had allowed in my life. As I started to go after it and, and I kept saying every time I wanted to have fear, God is good. His promises are true. And he will always make a way for me. Even to this day, when I have neurological flares, my instinctive thoughts go to that redemptive pathway. So where the enemy could trigger me before, it triggers me now to faith because I practiced it. And so I, we're not going to know this side of heaven, why God's word is so living and breathing. God knows what he's talking about. When he says, practice gratitude, think on what's lovely, fix your eyes on what you cannot see. It's not just to be heavenly minded. It's because it literally changes our cells, our physiology and our health. And it changes everything when we line ourselves up and agree with what God says. And so that's my challenge. I, to me, it's some gritty work if you're someone who's like me and been bent towards fear, but you will start to see a change in your instinctive and default thoughts if you start to practice right now. Well, I love that you just shared that. That has been a huge part of my story, uh, learning to take thoughts captive, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And what I love is that um, early on, Susie said, basically, she said she put up a roadblock. And what I realized is I was very lazy when it came to my thoughts. And I had to start going to the gym in my mind. I had to basically say, no, I'm not entertaining that. Um, and then I had to learn how to take those thoughts captive in the same way we would go to the actual gym and get there and feel like, okay, I feel pretty weak. I don't understand any of this equipment. As we keep going, we get stronger and we know how to do it. And so one of the things that I have said is I I learned to take those thoughts captive and it actually has helped me as I grow stronger in the day. It has helped me to take captive thoughts at night as well when I think that's something that a lot of people really struggle with and they don't always share with other people, but it's waking up with those really irrational, fearful thoughts, things that you can't possibly do anything about at that moment, but you're tossing and turning. And so learning how to put up those roadblocks in the day and say no will help you at night. I actually had experience yesterday. Um, I was away from one of my kids and that's often those fearful thoughts that were come. And this, this irrational thought started coming about one of my kids and probably, and it was like this thought that kept saying, oh, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And your brain is tempted. If you can imagine thinking about it that way, like you're tempted to go down that path and think, and then I want to grab control. Um, mm. And what can I do about that? And so my thought was I was away from home. I could, I knew my husband was home. I could call him. I could make sure she doesn't do that thing I'm imagining she's going to do that's going to be unsafe. And I thought, no, that is actually feeding that fear. So what I have to do is just say, no, it's not true. I, I really had to put up that very strong roadblock. If it helps you, I know it can help people just to do something really um, physically. If you're putting up a little X with your hands, um, something just to kind of say, blocking your, your, um, your hand away to say, no, I am not allowing that thought in. And yesterday while I was away, it was a little battle that I had to fight. And it was interesting because I, I kept saying no to that thought and it did go away. And then a new thought popped up and I thought, wow, you know, I really feel like the enemy's trying to, he's really trying to throw me off right now. And I, when you can also be aware of those thoughts coming at you, trying to 
um, keep you in that place of bondage to fear. It does help you fight. And so what Susie is saying here as well as, you know, we're getting into the gym in our minds. We are working out, we're practicing, we're getting stronger, and we are going to be people who are learning to fight. And I know for some people listening, um, this is the first time where they're going, oh, I have, I have a choice in my thoughts. I can create new pathways. I actually have to start going to the gym in my, my mind and be able to fight. And I think you know, Susie's devotional is really going to help with that as well. It's going to be a tool in helping us fight. Jacqueline, I've just loved our time together so much. Thank you. So, so good to meet you. And you are definitely a sister of my heart. Thank you so much. Well, Susie, I'm so glad you've been on here. And also, where can people find you? Hmm. So SusieLarson.com is my website. I post morning and evening blessings on Facebook and Instagram and a shortened version on Twitter. So you could find me on all those places. Susie Larson, author on Instagram, Deeper Life in Christ on Facebook. And then uh, my radio show airs every day on the Faith Radio Network. So if you search MyFaithRadio.com, you'll find it. You can load a uh, free app if you want to listen. But uh, yeah, those are some places you'll find me. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Susie. I know this episode will help women move one step closer to thriving. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.